The following presentation is from Mountain Park Church in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Mountain Park, along with additional audio and visual teachings, visit mountainpark.org. Good morning, everybody. Once again, uh, very glad that you're here. My name is Alan. Uh, I'm excited about these shirts. I'm excited about the little uh, sticker that you'll receive on your way out. Those little car stickers are great. You put them on the back of your window, and then when you cut somebody off, (laughs) they'll know how to find you. So there's a lot of benefits to that. You may not realize this. This is our fourth uh, last service here in this building, fourth, last weekend. And so what we've chosen as our final series uh, here in this building is this concept of raw, that when everything is stripped away, when the screens are taken away and the comfy seats and the doors and we're just kind of prepping for this move to our new facility, when everything is stripped away, what, what is the basis? What does all of this stuff get boiled down to? What is the foundation of our faith, of our uh, church, of our Christian journey, etc.? So today, as we kind of boil that down, I want to talk about our hearts because everything really does boil down to the condition of our hearts. That if all of our successes were stripped away, if all of our Bible knowledge and our memorized verses and our Bible studies and our outreach experiences and our abilities to listen to one another and to communicate with one another and to teach one another and all of those things, if all of those things are stripped away, what is the condition of your heart? And that whole concept, even that phrasing of what's the condition of your heart That is not foreign to those even outside of the church. If you would not consider yourself a church person or a a religious person whatsoever, you're probably very comfortable with this language of how is your heart or what what is your heart's desire for your future or for your life, etc. Long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Anakin's mom, if you remember in episode one, not a great movie, but at, the, but at the beginning of that movie, and Anakin's mom says, what does your heart tell you, little Anakin? A long time ago in a country far, far away, an actual king of an actual nation wrote in a book that we refer to as the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. He says in chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. This morning, we're talking about your heart. How's your heart? Is your heart fully alive? Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, I know that we all walk into this room and our hearts are in different places and our hearts have different needs. I know that many here in this room this morning gather here in this place and sing and think about you with a, with a broken heart. Um, I know that there have been uh, tragedies this week and loss of life. And so we all come in with, from different perspectives and you care so deeply about our hearts. We thank you for that, God. This morning as we take, take one path, one path that has to do with, with building up and pouring into our hearts, God, I pray that you'd bless that journey, that you would protect us from anything that is not of you, anything that is outside of your character, God. We want to meet with you here today. 
because we know you care about our hearts very, very deeply. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I said, I'm taking one path, one look at the condition of the heart. In fact, this morning what I want to take a look at is something that is, I believe, uh, from my understanding of Scripture, it is the, um, uh, the main issue that Scripture outlines in terms of, of the condition of the heart. That it is the issue that has the biggest impact on how our hearts are. And that issue is summed up by this little symbol. Money. You, you, you didn't know where I was going there for a while, did you? But this issue here, I'm not talking about money this morning because it's 2017 and this is where humanity has found itself. I'm not talking about money because we are making a transition to a new building and there are financial realities to that of which I will talk about in just a few moments, but that's not why I'm talking about money today. That's not why we typically talk about money here as a church. We talk about money because it is the number one competitor for our hearts. It is the number one piece. Jesus was so clear about this. He talked about money over and over and over again, not because he cared about where that money went, but because he cares about your heart Jesus talked about money more than he talked about prayer. He talked about money more than he talked about forgiveness, more than salvation. He talked about money because it is so connected to the condition of your heart. In Luke chapter 12, as well as um, in the book of Matthew, Jesus even talks about the relationship between our money and our heart. And he says this profound concept that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Do not miss how profound that is. It's not the flip side. It's not, hey, wherever your heart is, that's what you're going to give toward. But there is an action that starts this whole journey in terms of, of having a heart come alive, and that is where the treasure is, then the heart follows that. It, it is a profound journey. So what I'm talking about here this morning is, is your heart something that I know you care very deeply about. You care very deeply about your heart and the condition of your heart. And I also this morning, because of Jesus connecting these two concepts, I'm also talking about money, which you might not want me to talk about, but I do know that you care very deeply about money. Money is not an emotionally neutral issue. And so I'm talking about how these things combine. When we talk about the status and the condition of the heart, wouldn't it be great on this issue that is so intangible and subjective and immeasurable, wouldn't it be great on the issue of the condition of the heart if there was something we could do that could help, that could assist the condition of the heart? Something we could do, not just over the next five years, but right now, right now, this week, this day, this hour. Wouldn't it be great if there was something tangible and measurable we could do right now that could have an impact on your heart? Just to kind of give you a comparison to that, imagine something else that's very intangible, equally intangible, 
equally immeasurable, is the romantic love that one has for another. And you may be in the middle of that right now in that pursuit. You may remember that pursuit from some years ago or from recent years where you wanted that person to realize just how spectacular you are. That romantic pursuit, and you want it to change. You want it to to turn a corner. You want it to be that amazing story that we see in all those Hollywood movies that we love so much. We want that moment. What could we do right now in order to make that happen? If we could just look at someone and say, you complete me. If we could just say something like that and turn the whole thing around, if we could say, you know, when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. Anybody? And Mary Metzali, we got some romantics over on this side. Or, or how about this one? I may not be a smart man, but I know what love is, Jenny. And that even worked out for him. And if there's even things that we see there. Or... Nobody puts babe in the corner. <laughs> I mean, just, just different ways that we watch these movies and we say there's this line, there's this moment, there's this thing that happens that turns this very intangible thing of romantic love and it makes it change dramatically. Wouldn't it be great if there was something like that that could have an impact on the condition of our heart? And what I want to say to you today is that there is. There is something that is that tangible and it has to do with how we make decisions with regard to our money. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And you get to decide. It's a tangible, measurable thing that we get to do. You get to decide where the treasure goes. And that impacts what happens with the heart. So when we look at the issue of money and our, our ongoing resistance to, to make decisions that are in the best interest of our heart sometimes, that I would summarize that resistance, uh, by, again, by one word, one concept. In fact, this is a, a word that could summarize the American experience with money. And that word is... Worry. Here, let me draw. Let me do, 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 do. Ah, okay. It's this, this worry concept. We spend so much time worrying about money, worrying about not having enough, worrying about not be able, being able to pay the car payment, worrying about not being able to pay the mortgage payment, worrying about not being able to pay for a kid's education. Very common, natural things for us to be worried about. We worry about what ifs. Our imagination is so effective at generating what if something happened and then how is that going to affect the rest of my life? What if something happens financially? What if, there, if, if our car crashes? What if I lose my job? What if there's a flood? What if there's other, some other kind of natural, natural disaster? What if this happens? What if that happens? Insurance companies make billions of dollars on this. Billions of dollars on the concern about what might happen. This is a, this is a powerful, powerful part of our journey, of our experience with money. 
what happens is that most of our worry, most of our angst, however, in this room, here in this community, most of it has to do with wanting something we can't have rather than needing something we can't get. It's the want versus need peace. And if, if you're here and some of your anxiety and your worry truly is a need issue, the need, the basic human needs of food, clothing, and shelter, if that truly is a need for you, we are here to help. That's what the church is here for. We have a benevolence system here as a church where we help people to uh, move to the next level and to deal with the anxiety and the worry that is connected with that. That If it's a need issue, then uh, that's something different. But for most of us, most of the time, it is a want issue. And here's here's how I would uh, make this argument that it is, for the most part, a want issue. The issue is not that we don't have enough money. It's that we don't always make great decisions in terms of what to do with the money. And here's how I would explain this. Imagine that tomorrow you go to work and you get the spectacular news that effective immediately you get a 10% raise. Man, that would be so great. Do you think with that 10% raise that you would then be worry-free in terms of your finances? With that 10% raise, do you think that would, over a period of time, set you on a trajectory to finally get out of debt, to, to finally be able to manage your, your income, your finances, so that it would be much less worrisome? Okay, maybe 10% is not enough. What if tomorrow you realize it's 25%? 25%. You kicked in. You realize tomorrow you have an increased household income of 25%. Would that take away all of your worry? My guess is no. Because what happens is that the more we make, the more we stay in the same patterns that we've been doing. Whatever we have been doing, that's what we continue to do with the resources that we have. If you imagined 10, 20 years ago what you're making now, or 30 years ago or whatever, that you could imagine in 2017, if you could know how much you're making now, back then you probably would have thought, I would be worry-free if I could have that much household income. And yet here we are, and we are experiencing and, and making what we're making, and we still have so many of the same uh, things that we're getting tripped up with, the same anxieties, the same worries. Because it's not an issue of how much money we're making. It's what we're doing with the money. It's, it's not a money problem. It's a discipline problem. It's a decision problem. It's a behavioral problem. It's a self-control problem. And it's not that the more money we make, that the more self-controlled we'll be. One day I can be worry-free as long as I make that amount of money. The issue is it's, it's self-control that leads to better management of money that addresses the worry issue and it has such an enormous impact on our hearts. Let me tell you what I mean by this. That's not, doesn't look like worry. It looks like a scary man. Doesn't, it's a bad picture, sorry, okay. Um, but it's scary. I mean, the whole topic is scary. You're scared. I mean, you're sitting there and you're all tight. You know, just relax. Okay, here, here I'll give you a little happy face. Woo, we're happy. We're doing fine here. I got, there's three things that we can do with money, that we all do with money. Three things. They are 
we live. And this is the predominant one. This is what we all do every day of our lives. We spend money. You've worked hard for it. You've earned it. You get to spend it however you want. This is the things that we want, the things that we need. This is just how we live life. It's the exchange of goods for us to function in life. We can live. We can save, which is self-explanatory, and we can give. Those are three different things that we can do with money. Now, as you look at those three words, which one jumps out at you? Which one is your strength? We all do the live. We all do this without a doubt. But which one of these pops out for you to say, that's your default, that's your um, bread and butter, if you will? Which one of these perhaps is one that you would, that you would say, um, that as you look at these, which one of these would you say that you struggle with? Are there one or two that you struggle with? Or would you say as you look at those three that you have a balance? Not 33, 33, 33, but you have a balance in terms of I understand these three and I'm balanced in terms of how my finances flow into those three areas. Let me just walk out each of these one at a time and how they have an impact on the condition of our hearts. So first of all, there's live. This is where we spend money on the things that we want. And the part of the American culture and the American financial catastrophe is that we spend money that we don't have. And so we have a tendency to spend more money than the money that we do have because we worry so much about maybe one day I won't be able to put that item on credit or buy that house with uh, money that I don't have. Maybe one day I won't be able to experience that, so I want to experience it now. And it's this worry, this anxiety that says, I got to get it now. Even if it doesn't make sense to me what's going to happen financially 15 years from now, I I need it now. I'm worried about not having any opportunity to have this. There's worry as we compare ourselves to one another. And that so many of our financial decisions are based on, well, that's what they have. And I live next door. I'm in the same neighborhood. And so we got to do this together. And so there's worry that is generated with that. What happens in terms of the condition of the heart is the heart starts to dry up because the heart is not satisfied. The heart that is worried about this accumulation of things, it can never be satisfied. So we walk around with a hurting heart that is not satisfied. Appetites are never satisfied. Appetites grow. They don't get satiated. An appetite is there and you feed it a little bit and then it wants more, it wants more, it wants more. And so it never comes to this, to this peaceful, worryless zone. There's a constant worry journey. So the second thing is, is safe. We all know that saving is good. We learned when we were young that if you put 10 cents a week into the bank when you're six years old, then by the time you're 80, you'll have $120 million. Or so, I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but we've all learned that. Something like that, the, the magic of compound interest, et cetera. We know that saving is good and it's smart and it's wise and there are good parts to saving, but some of us are better at it than others. And for some, the saving piece can be a worrisome piece that it's driven by worry about the future. It's, it's driven in such a way that we can save so much at times, if this is our driver, that, that it's hard for us to give away. 
it's hard for us to enjoy life. I can talk pretty freely about this one because this is the one I land in. And, and that's, I think it's, it's less common to be, I mean, I'm a hardcore saver. I was born and bred a saver. That's just kind of natural for me. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. And, um, and the downside of that in terms of the condition of the heart is that you, I think it's possible to save so much that you save your heart. And I don't mean save like the salvation great gospel, awesome version of the word save. I mean save as in take your heart and lock it up in a vault with the rest of the things that you're saving. Because it would just save so much. I want to protect so much. And there's such a worry connected with that that it makes us, it makes it hard to enjoy life and it makes it hard to enjoy the beauty of, of generosity and being able to give to others. So for me as a saver, I have to be very disciplined, very disciplined in terms of my consistent giving and how that all looks and I have to look at percentages and I say, I'm locked in on that. that I have to start with that because this one here, of all these three, this is the only one that is worry-free. The issue with money is worry. This is the only one that is worry-free. We don't worry about money that we give away. We don't worry about things that we let go of. We just don't. That's, that's, that's for God to deal with. That is for other people to deal with. That's, that is a worry-free journey. And the give part of this experience is so good for the heart. It, it makes a heart so healthy. I've never met a giver I've never met a generous person who wasn't pleasant to be with. People who are givers, are, are, they can have different kinds of personalities and you know, different folks. Maybe we wouldn't interact in so many other ways. But givers typically are, are pleasant to be with. I've never met one who wasn't pleasant to give with. And so here's what, happened with these, what happens with these three pieces as we wrestle them and say, what's the balance of these three areas of how to, we can handle money? Our culture, our society goes from the top down. Our culture and our society says, we start with live. You set your mortgage and how much you can afford and what kind of a car you can afford and where you can live, etc. You get started with that. You do your best to save some because we've learned that saving is good and so we save some. And if there's anything left, any leftovers, a bonus year or something, a, a, an emotional plea, then we might have some kind of giving left over at the end. Our culture values all three of these. No question about it. No question our culture values all three of these. But the giving one is usually on the leftover zone. And we usually give a whole lot less than what we think we're giving. Scripture and those who understand the teachings of Jesus and the balance of what Jesus says in different places say basically this whole thing should be flipped upside down. That this whole thing is to start with giving. That we give systematically and we give right off the bat. We, it is about first fruits to say God is the one who has provided everything anyway. And so out of priority for my heart, I identify an amount that I'm going to give. I'm going to give, I'm going to give and I'm going to save and I'm going to live off the rest. I'm going to give, I'm going to save, I'm going to live off the rest. And people bounce around numbers and say, you know, a great way to live life. This is the foundation for me and my family. The way we move forward is we go 10, 10, 80. 
10% is a foundation for what I give to the work of the kingdom. 10% I'm going to save, I'm going to set aside, I'm going to live off the rest. Then I say with that 80%, okay, now what can we do with this? What kind of vacation fits within this 80%, etc.? And I tell you, there's less anxiety. There's less worry because we get disciplined here and it flows into discipline that allows us to save more. We learn how to be disciplined. We don't just spend every dollar that comes in. We get disciplined. When we're disciplined, there's a whole lot less worry that kicks in in there. Once we get to the live part, we look at it and we go, okay, what does life look like on what we have left over? Give, save, live. Give, save, live. Now, let me give you a confession that in this journey as we are transitioning into a new uh, beautiful building that many of you drive by and we are excited to share and enjoy together, I have spent more than my share here with regard to this building. I've spent, in my role here as pastor, I've spent a significant amount of my time here. I have not ever been a part of a building project like this one. Just for those of you who haven't either, imagine that you are doing a complete renovation on your kitchen and all the decisions that flow out of that. Then multiply it by 250. Dollar-wise, that's probably about what it ends up being. And the whole thing just creates a significant amount of of anxiety. And just like many building projects, we near the end are, are over budget. We are spending more than what we had hoped for, more than what we had intended in terms of making this whole thing, whole thing happen. We are over budget on this thing. And so as a result, um, there is a line item called FF&E. I'm learning all this language. Some of you are, you are way ahead of me, but I'm learning all this stuff. FF&E is a line item that uh, those letters refer to furniture, fixtures, and equipment. And basically what the FF&E line item is, anything that goes into this beautiful new building that we've built. So it's all the furnitures, all of the pieces that make us kind of enjoy once we're in there. It's not just a, a big empty shell. And that line item over the past six to eight months has been reduced, significantly reduced, reduced, reduced to less and less that we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have in order to furnish this beautiful new building. Now, Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And this is the last line of a section in Luke chapter 12. It says that in verse 34. Back up in verse 30, in verse 22, at the beginning of that section in Luke chapter 12, Jesus begins by saying, do not worry about where you step. Do not worry, Jesus says. He says, do not worry about what you will eat or what you will wear. And then he walks all this out. God takes care of the ravens. God takes care of the lilies of the field. If God takes care of all of that, don't you think God can take care of you? How can you help anything by worrying and he wraps it all up. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Trust me, God says. And so he says, do not worry about what you will eat, what you will drink. And so I'm doing my best to not worry about what we will sit on <laughs> or what the kids will play with in children's ministry. I'm doing my best on this. But 
as we've walked this out with a, with a number of you who are part of the church, that many of your response to the reality of our dwindling FF&E budget is a number of you have said, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? Because this is not someone else's problem. You embrace this is our church. This is my church. It's our church. What can I do to help? Which is a terrific question. I'm so thankful for that. And some of you want to be a part of this. So we wanted to give you an opportunity to be a part of this. And the board, a couple of people on the board have come up with a great idea that we are going to have um, on this card you received on the way in, uh, I just want to draw your attention to it. This card on the, you received on the way in says, Church Warming Party. On September 10th, which is our last Sunday here in this place, you are invited in the afternoon from 2 to 5 to go over to the new church. And we will have an extended list of items that got chopped off of our FF&E list ranging from $25 to $300 or more dollars, where you could come look at that list, and if you're interested, say, you know what? I want to make sure that item is going to be in, in that room in the new building. And you can just kind of sign up for it and pay for it and, and move on with that. It's a church warming party, and you don't even have to bring a bottle of wine. <laughs> just come, and we will do this together, and then we will make our efforts, our greatest effort to have that thing then purchased and ready for opening day. If not, it'll happen soon after that, but we will uh, kind of do this together. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a fantastic idea. Now, yeah, that's a great idea. Church warming party. It's going to be fun. But my anxiety and worry about uh, the building, it, it's not limited to the FF&E budget. It, there's more to it than that because in February of 2016, many of you were here for this, we did a full potential uh, journey, a campaign where we pledged as a church to raise $2.7 million in additional funds for us to enjoy the upgrades of this new building that we're entering into and a new vision and, and passion and opportunity for what that corner is going to provide for us. Uh, here we are just six months away from the finish of that two-year commitment. And our smart finance folks say that the trajectory of our giving means we'll probably land around $2.4 million. So we'll be at this point, we're looking at being short about 300000 of that giving. So let me just take a moment here, and I want to address four different categories of people who are involved in of you sitting here in the room. You're going to fit in one of these four categories. So you don't have to pay attention to all four. Just pay attention to yours, if you would, please. And you can cross your arms and judge the people in the other categories all you want. But I just ask and invite you to pay attention to your category. Category number one are people who pledge to be part of it, and you have either fulfilled your pledge or you are on track to fulfill your pledge. You're three-quarters of the way towards fulfilling your pledge. Way to go. Seriously, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yes. And there are many of you. Thank you for sharing the vision of what our church is going to be able to accomplish here in this new corner and how that's going to look. Thank you for, for giving... Uh, not just sporadically, but systematically, that when we make a commitment and we fulfill that commitment, then there is a systematic giving that goes on there. And I, and I sincerely hope and pray that you, your heart is blessed by that journey 
that you will look at the whole thing and say, I, I, I'm not just participating in that church, I'm part of it, that you significantly are a part of that. So thank you. Category number two are those of you who made a pledge and you're behind on your pledge. You're behind on some way. You're not quite there or whatever, and this is we are looking at about 170 family units that would be in this category number two. Let me just say a word of encouragement, word of encouragement to, to, to keep the journey, to stay on the journey, to keep going on it, that you remember why you signed up for this, remember um, why you had uh, chosen to trust God with this and continue moving forward. We understand that circumstances change. So if your circumstances have changed, if there's been a difference in your life or in your income or whatever, please just call us, let us know. We'd love to know what's going on with that so that we can just continue to team up with you in this journey. But finish strong, finish strong. Category number three are those who pledge to be a part of it and have not yet started. So we're, we're three quarters of the way through the journey and not yet started. And this is about... 90 family units. Now, it's certainly possible that some uh, have moved on, uh, moved on or moved away for, for other reasons. Uh, but but if, if that's you and you're waiting till the very end, we're getting close now. <laughs> and so I just want to lovingly remind you, you know, G Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so you said yes. And so um, when we have an area where we want to prioritize and fund, we figure it out. And so I'm confident that you can do that. And um, the only way you can finish is if you get started. And so we encourage you and uh, uh, ask you to finish strong as well with that. The fourth category is uh, those of you who perhaps haven't jumped in at all. Maybe you've been here for this whole journey and have not yet jumped in, or you're brand new. You're new with us and this whole thing is new and the whole concept is new. And, and let me just tell you, it's not too late. That's all I want to say to you. It's not too late to jump in on these last six months. We have this uh, card, it's basically the same card that we handed out when we jumped in on the full potential journey a year and a half ago. We're not handing them out to you. If you are interested, if you would like to jump in and, and set your treasure uh, along these lines, they're available in the lobby, they're available in the home team. It says full potential, please just pick one up and you can fill it out right there, right then. You can do something about it. You can take it home, pray about it, whatever. You can just write a, a one-time uh, commitment over, the, over this journey. Or you can say over the six months, you'll be a distributed amount that would total a certain amount, whatever. We'd love to have you join. And perhaps you can be a part of addressing that $300,000 gap that we're looking at right now as we uh, uh, move on with that. If you have any questions about... Uh, jumping in or what that means or about your own pledge. Perhaps you're at this point going, I have no idea where we are. I don't know how much we have done or fulfilled. Feel free to go to the website. At the top right, it says My MPC, and you can follow the financial pieces there. You can look at your statement and see what's going on there. If there's any discrepancy between your understanding and what you see uh, at your, on your account and your statement, please feel free to just let us know. We'll talk about it and figure out what's going on. Our team is on high alert this week to help out in any way that, you can, that we can if you have any questions or whatever on this piece. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Now as I close, let me just ask, I think, I think really kind of the foundational question with all of this, why, why is always a powerful question. Why would anyone do this? I mean, why 
This is a crazy concept. It is so countercultural. It is, it is so, if you've never heard of it or never considered this, it is a radical, radical way of looking at your finances. It's a crazy idea. Why would anyone even consider this? Because you can join with us in a few weeks and celebrate and have a great experience in our new building. You don't have to give anything towards that. Absolutely not, and we'll have a great time together. So why would someone do this? Two things. One is because you care about your heart. You want your heart to be fully alive. And so does your Savior, Jesus. You want your heart to be alive. You don't want it to be spinning and unsatisfied, dissatisfied perpetually. You don't want your heart to be locked up in a vault somewhere. You want your heart to be fully alive. And this is why Jesus talked about money, because he loves you so much. He loves your heart. On that issue, it doesn't matter where you give. It doesn't matter. You give, any, you give to your neighbor. You just, you just throw it outside on the front lawn. It just, it just, you just, may your heart be liberated by your generosity. But then secondly, why would anyone do this? The second reason is because Mountain Park, your church, cares very deeply about people who don't yet know Jesus. That, and on this end, I would say, this is why we say, we, we invite you, ask you to give to the mission and the ministry of Mountain Park Church. That on that end, we care very deeply about this neighborhood. We care very deeply about uh, what we describe as the distracted and disinterested which is all of us at times, but it's the people that drive around looking at the sticker on the back of your car and all, and all those folks who don't know how much they need Jesus. And, and they don't know how much their understanding of the story of Jesus is not, is not accurate perhaps, that they have some misunderstandings of, of who Jesus is, that we want to, to help people understand just who the Savior is and then that those folks and you and I, we can realize we have a role in that story. We have a significant role in that story. And it's playing out that role that makes our hearts come alive. Where we're not just getting through another week, another month, another year. But we are fulfilling and thriving in the role that God has for us. Mm. What your treasure is that your heart is also, Jesus says. Give, save, live. Give, save, live. For the sake of your heart, for the sake of others, give, save, live. Would you bow your heads with me? Father in heaven, thank you that you did not hold back from clarity on this topic. And so, Father, I, I humbly ask that you would bless our efforts here in this room as, as we don't hold back on this topic either. Thank you, God, that you love us so much, that you provide for us every dollar we have, every opportunity we have, everything that we have ever saved, it has come from you. God, thank you that you have so lavishly blessed us. And God, we want to be a blessing to others for their sake and for the sake of our own hearts. Father, I pray that you would bless any decision here in this room 
to today or this week to make a difference in finances that would be for your glory, for your kingdom. God, I pray that you'd bless those efforts as difficult and scary as those may be, God, that you would bless any decisions, any faithfulness in that direction. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.